legendary podcast producer Kate Erickson Dumas shares the power of choice and how you get to choose everything that you want to be and everything you don't want to be. And you definitely get to choose that you don't want to miss this episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to The Do Zone. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. Mother Teresa. DC Tribe, Josh Thomas. Super glad to have you here. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the Do Zone podcast on Apple and or Spotify. I wanted to let you know this podcast is brought to you by Unbreakable Teams. We fix broken systems for entrepreneurs so they can go farther, faster. Learn more by going to unbreakableteams.com. Today's guest is Kate Erickson. Kate Erickson Dumas is the heartbeat at Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award-winning podcast where John Lee Dumas interviews inspiring entrepreneurs who are truly on fire. She is also the host of Kate's Take, where she shares behind-the-scenes look at running a seven-figure business, and co-host of Nicole and Kate Can Relate, a podcast about the power of conversations. Her goal to help entrepreneurs achieve financial and lifestyle freedom. Kate, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. What's up, tribe? And Josh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super happy to be here and be connecting with you again. So my one thing would be planning tomorrow today. And and this is an idea that I've been working off from from a very long for a very long time, inspired by my husband John Lee Dumas. And the premise is that you are preparing for the one thing that you're going to work on in the morning, the night before. That way, you don't show up to your desk wondering what should be first, getting stuck in email on social media. You know exactly what you're going to dive into in the morning, and it's a great way to start your day off super productively. Yeah, well said. Every time I do that, uh, my day goes well. Every time I don't do that, I start the day with a little bit of kind of frustration and like kind of the crazy old grandpa syndrome where I'm like, where did I leave my keys? You know, and, <laughs> and if that's how you start your day, it's really hard to get some momentum going. Uh, it, yeah, absolutely. And, and especially if you lead a team. Uh, because if you're showing up without that preparation, they're just taking direction from you. And then that lack of productivity multiplies. Uh, have you, have you noticed, uh, kind of a compound effect when you don't, when you don't show up ready, how does that impact the others who are counting on you to lead them? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it makes a huge impact. And I've seen this over the years with our virtual team. We've been very lucky to have our virtual team with us. One of our members have, has been with us since the very beginning of the business. The other two have been with us for eight years now. So it's been an incredible journey having people on the team for this long a time. I'm again, I feel very blessed for that. 
And what I've found over time is that the more that we talk about the importance of systems, of processes, of showing up for our clients, of timeliness, of working on the right things, the more I see our team adopting that. And it was like made my heart sing to the umpteenth degree. Uh, my VA who helps me a lot with customer service and reports and monthly things. She reached out to me last week and she had this whole outline of how she was going to improve her processes for a couple of things that she works on in the business. And I didn't even prompt that. It was something that she decided to do on her own. And I absolutely love that. And I think that to your point, we lead by example. So if you are talking about this stuff, if you are showing the value of it, if you are leading by example, then that's absolutely going to impact your team. Yeah, we we have to be the example. Um, one of one of my mentors, Ryan Stuman, just came out with a book called The Example. I actually happen to have a copy of it right here. It's called The Example. Nice. Uh, and uh, when when he when he uh, published that book, uh, he has done the best that he could to be the example and and basically say, look, I'm going to get up and I'm going to write my content every day. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to put myself in the best rooms possible because I want to teach that lesson to you so that you could become that person. I'm going to be the example for you to follow. And uh, and and that's really, for, for me, that was powerful. Uh, I was already looking up to him. I was already watching him. But when he shone a light on the fact that I am doing this partially for me, but I'm also doing it to give you a model of something to follow. I don't want to get too deep down into this, but I didn't really have a, you know, my dad wasn't around. I didn't have much of a role model. Uh, and most of us human beings are kind of going through life, not having anybody to model after. And modeling is kind of the, the first form of learning is modeling after somebody else. And that sounds like what's happening here is you're modeling excellence for your team and your team says, oh, that's how we work. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. And I think that it really speaks to the idea of you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I mean, but human nature is to model what we see. And if we're surrounding ourselves with people who are doing things that we don't want to be doing, you got to switch it up. So Kudos to you for finding that mentor. I think that's really incredible. And I think that each of us owes that to ourselves and to the people who follow us to have strong mentors in our business space and in our personal lives as well. And talk to me a little bit. One of the, one of the things that I've learned from surrounding myself with the right people is, is how to be vulnerable. And that's a tough thing for us to do. Uh, especially when we're we're proud, uh, we're scared. We don't want people to see the chinks in our armor. Uh, but I learned to embrace the fact that I am a vulnerable person and to share that vulnerability uh, because I was surrounded by other people who made it okay. And I've seen so many people who are surrounded by those who who make it not okay, uh, and they struggle. And I know that this is something that's very important to you, transparency and vulnerability. Uh, talk to me a little bit about why why is that something so fundamental for your being and, and give me some examples, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that that's such a great point that you make about like the people around you kind of 
making it a more comfortable thing because I know that just it's not easy for everyone to open up and to be vulnerable. You really put yourself in a position um, where depending on your upbringing, depending on your experience in school, depending on your experience in different jobs, like that can be a really tough thing to do given your past experiences. Um, for me, I feel very lucky to have had a lot, a lot of supportive people around me in my life. And I also feel that in the instances that I have been vulnerable and opened up, especially in a business setting, say I'm speaking on stage or at a mastermind, that that shared collective understanding and support and vulnerability that you find in a room like that, when I see other people open up in those ways and see them able to overcome limiting beliefs that they have or things that are really holding them back in their business or in their life, that is a big reason why I do what I do. And I was absolutely in a position where I didn't used to do that. I was never comfortable opening up. In fact, I was always the person in the back of the room, not wanting to raise my hand, not wanting to share an answer because I didn't want to feel stupid or like I said the wrong thing or have people laugh. I mean, I've been through all of that. And I think that, um, through the, I, I did a transformational training where I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about my limiting beliefs. And that was one of the first like super safe spaces for me, even though, again, I grew up in a very supportive family and a very supportive surrounding, um, that experience, I th think was kind of my, adult life intro to what it means to be vulnerable, what that can open up for you in relationships and how that can help you impact other people. Mm. Yeah. Well said, you know, when you were, when you were talking about, uh, being the shy kid in the back of the room, uh, I think, I think to a certain extent we can all relate to that. I mean, I guess there are some born extroverts, uh, but I don't understand them. <laughs> I'm definitely not one of them. <laughs> and, and and so I remember being that that shy kid. I'm always the one that's trying not to make the noise and make the fuss. And there was there was this moment where I realized that it just wasn't getting me anywhere. Did that happen to you? Where you just kind of, this isn't serving me. I have to do something different. Is is that kind of how it worked for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, in that transformational training that I mentioned already, um, I had several multiple moments where I thought like, it was kind of reflected back to me that in being that person in the back of the room and in being that person who was afraid to speak up, I was walking through life invisible. And that really hit me hard when it was put in that way, because before to me, I was keeping myself safe. To me, I was protecting myself from embarrassment or, you know, whatever might happen as a result of what I said or what I did when it was reflected back to me as being invisible, as not having a voice, as not showing up for myself or the people around me. That was a very like hard line in the sand that I can't keep doing this. Like if that's what I'm doing, I don't want to live that way. You know, when you said I'm walking through life invisible, like I had a I had a physical reaction to that just now because that's uh that's exactly the feeling that I that I had. I I've I've always struggled to be seen. 
Uh, mm. you know, and I feel like I've got important things to say. I feel like my voice matters. Uh, I feel like my thoughts and opinions and, and ideas matter. And I, I struggled for so long to where like, oh, oh, hey, Josh, you're here. Oh, cool. Like people didn't even notice. Uh, what was kind of that moment for you? Man, you know, I'm surrounded by I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who have uh, lots of tattoos, big beards, and super dominant alpha personalities. And I'm not. I mean, I've got some tats and I've got a beard, but I'm not. I'm not the guy that when you walk into the room, I don't. I don't command your attention, and I'm okay with that to an extent. But there has to be a balance to everything. What, what I realize is there's lots of people who walk in, if you really pay attention, there's lots of people who walk in the room unnoticed. And I was one of them. And I look around and I'm like, you guys are cool, but you know, you're getting all the scraps and I don't want scraps. Uh, I want the, I want the premium cuts. And so in order to do that, I got to go stand in the front of the room and I got to put on a bright red shirt or something like that to where people can see me because otherwise I won't be seen. And, and that's where, you know, I'm walking through life invisible. You said you made a point here that I want to dive in. I don't want to go too much on a tangent here, but I want to dive in on this. You said I was keeping myself safe. And, and I think to a certain extent, we're all wired physiologically since the, stone ages to keep ourselves safe fight or flight the amygdala uh you know reticular activation system cortisol all those things we are wired to keep ourselves safe if i go out there and i speak up somebody might laugh at me somebody might say i'm wrong so i'd rather just protect myself from that discomfort but the real question is it's the worst that could happen Right. Yeah. But I think that that's the question that we miss a lot of the time is we have these beliefs about certain situations and sometimes they are based on experiences, but sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're based on other people's experiences or mm -hmm. what other people believe. And I think it's so important to really give yourself the time and the space to ask yourself questions like that. Like, what's the worst that can happen right here? Mm -hmm. Someone laughs at me, who cares? Mm -hmm. If that's the price of you getting your voice out into the world, who cares? You're going to learn something from it at the very least. That's worth it, right? It's it's almost like it's almost like you're earning your you're earning your passage to an extent. I get into these uh, mastermind kind of roundtable situations where, like, all right, who's got their who's got their big ass problem they want to they want to lay on the table, and, and then everybody just like picks it apart. I'm always the first guy to stand up at this point. Like, this is gonna suck, <laughs> <laughs> but but I got to get this out here. And the more you do it, the easier it is to accept. Like, all right, tear it apart, man, because I know now that you tearing that apart is gonna make me build it back stronger. You're going to help me build a back stronger. That's why I, I can I can always bet on myself. Like your your punches strengthen me. You know, I go to the gym. Yeah. Like it it sucks to lift weights, but they make me stronger. Yeah, absolutely. That repetition is uh, something that I don't think we give enough credit to. 
anything that you're scared of, anything that uh, gives you fear, I think that's all the more reason to do it and to do it often because that's stretching yourself. That's giving yourself a challenge. That's making you better to your point. So let me ask you this, speaking of, you know, getting in and, and doing things, the best, the best way to get better is to just to do it. Uh, something that you have leaned on for a long time, Kate, is the idea of you get to choose. And, and so it's, I, I love simple statements that, that mean a million different things. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. You get to choose. Do you want to be super successful? Do you want to be a miserable failure and embarrassment to your family? You get to choose. Uh, We can look at this 10, 15 different ways, but what's the way that you prefer to look at it and how do you employ that phrase in your life and how how do you relay that to others? So I first started kind of wrestling with this idea when John launched the Freedom Journal, which is a journal where we help people accomplish their number one goal in 100 days. And when I was kind of thinking about what the Freedom Journal meant, what it meant for us, and then what it meant for people who used it, uh, the some of the very first, I guess, case studies or stories that people shared with us were literally life-changing because nobody had ever dedicated themselves like that to a goal before, because we all know how easy it is to say that you want to do something, not really have a plan in place or any direction for it, work on it for a couple of months and then give up because you're not making any progress. But this system was different because it helped people be accountable to setting a SMART goal to actually sticking to it and working on it every single day consistently to doing micro goals. And so when I started thinking, okay, people who are going to invest in this journal, they are choosing freedom, whatever freedom means to them. They are making a conscious choice to dedicate themselves and to hold themselves accountable to doing this. And if you can choose freedom, whatever freedom means for you, you can also choose what business you want to run. You can choose whether you want to run a business. You can choose to work a nine to five job. That was a choice that I made for a long time, but I didn't understand that I was making that choice. I thought somebody was forcing me to do that. I hated my nine to five. Every morning I'd wake up at 5 a.m. I'd go to the gym. I'd walk to the bus stop. I'd take the bus to the trolley. I'd get on the trolley. I'd listen to music thinking about how much I didn't want to get to my office, go to the very lucky 13th floor, sit there for eight hours being underappreciated and basically doing my boss's job for like an eighth of what she was making. And then I'd go home, get on the trolley, go to the bus, walk back. I'd have enough time to eat dinner and watch a TV show. And then I go to bed and do it all over again. I thought someone else was making me do that. I was choosing that. And when I realized that, I thought, well, if I can choose to not do this, what would I choose to do? And I tried entrepreneurship and now my life has changed. Now that I realize that I get to choose, my entire life has changed. And I don't think, well, I think a lot of people like me didn't even know that it was a choice. I was just like totally blind to the fact that I was the one that was getting up and going into that job every day. Nobody was forcing me to do that. I was choosing that. 
when you realize that and the power that you hold in how your day-to-day life is, that can be very impactful. Man. So I have a, a version of that uh, called everything in your life that happens is your own damn fault. <laughs> yep. but, but I think that's a, I think that would be a good close cousin to, to <laughs> maybe they're not brother and sister, you know, but they're cousins. Uh, and so it, and it's, it's one of those things that you didn't realize you were making that choice because nobody around you was helping either, either nobody around you was showing you that or nobody around you was helping you realize that perspective. So uh, back to our original, our, our earlier conversation, when we were saying the people you surround yourself really matter. It's not that the people you surround yourself with are going to give you the answers. It's that the people you surround yourself with are going to create the environment to where the answer reveals itself. And, and so maybe somebody gives you the answer, or maybe they give you a clue that helps you realize. And so, but let me ask you, was there, did somebody reveal to you that you get to choose, that you are choosing this? Or was it, was it more of a, like, okay, I'm, I am slowly realizing that I have this choice. I think it was a combination of things. I remember like during that time that I was working that nine to five, I used to get together with my two best girlfriends. Once a week, we would have wine night. We'd get together, we'd make dinner, we'd drink wine, we'd talk about, you know, whatever, one of the recurring topics of our wine night was if the three of us didn't have to work our jobs, quote unquote, if we didn't have to, which at the time, none of us knew that we didn't have to, <laughs> what would we do together? And we would always talk about a business that we would create together. And each of us had different skill sets. So we'd talk about how each of us would contribute to this business. But it was such a dream. Like it was so unattainable in our minds. We would talk about it almost like it was a joke. But I think that that was kind of the beginning of like what's possible about dreaming big and dreaming about things that you don't think could maybe ever happen, but you still talk about it and you still imagine what that would be like. Then combined with that, I just had a pretty rude awakening at my job where my boss offered me a promotion and told me that it was mine that all the interview process and everything that I was doing was just a formality. We worked in an HR department, so we had to check a lot of boxes. And um, I was so excited about that promotion because to me at the time, my success was a result of my job title and the amount of money I was making. Mm -hmm. Sad, but true. And so and, I thought if I very, could- But that's very common. And and it's, yep. it's one of those tools that is used to- keep you in line. Yep. Hey, let me give you a fancier title. Let me give you a couple of more dollars an hour. Does that keep you happy? Or does that keep you where you're supposed to be? Does that keep you feeling like you still owe us your soul? Yeah. And it does <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, it certainly did for me. I was very excited about that promotion and, uh, I got the phone call. I saw on like the caller ID that there was the hiring manager who was calling me. So I was so excited. I thought I was going to be accepting my relocation package. This was going to be taking me to, I, I lived in Southern California at the time. The promotion was in Northern California. I was so excited about kind of like 
this refresh on life. Like I'm going to have a new position. I'm going to live in a new city. Like this is great. I was in my mid twenties. So I was like all about kind of mixing things up. And, um, I picked up the phone and she said, you know, you are the perfect candidate for this position. We so appreciate your service. I've been working in that same department in the same position for three and a half years at that time. But I'm calling to tell you that we decided to hire outside of the company for the position. And I was gutted. I was pissed. I was disappointed. I was so many different emotions. And that was a moment where I thought like, what am I doing? I have this much emotion and this much of like a reaction that this is making this big of an impact on me that somebody else is telling me that I can't have this when I know I deserve it, when I know I've worked hard for it, when I know I've done everything I'm supposed to do to be able to get a promotion like that. And I still don't get it. Like something's wrong with this picture. And I think that that was really a, a, a critical moment for me in understanding that nobody owes you anything just because you do what you think you're supposed to do and, you know, go through the motions and it's not ever a guarantee unless you are the one in charge of it, unless you take charge of it and say, I'm going to make this happen. I was waiting for somebody else to give it to me and that was never going to happen. And it was the best thing to happen to you. Yeah. It was, it was one of those, it was the absolute best thing to happen. It just sucked at the time. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm glad they hired outside of the company uh, because who knows what the world would have been like without you doing the thing you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we make mistakes. I just realized that I've recorded the majority of this interview through my internal uh, computer microphone, <laughs> probably sounding, <laughs> probably sounding like I'm in the bathroom or something. But now I have the you actual sound good microphone. To me. Well, now I turned it on. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think this is a good moment for us to get into the do zone diagnostic. You ready? Yes. Excellent. So, five rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to mind. Number one, Kate, what is one thing you do? that keeps you focused on your goals? I write things down. Awesome. And number two, what? how do you get back on track, though, when you lose that focus? I look at what I wrote down. <laughs> taking the rapid fire very seriously. So, I can who, expound more if you want. No, no, no. I think you're good. Okay. You know, like so. But do tell me who is your support group, Kate, and how did they keep you accountable? Yeah. So I'm a part of a mastermind with two other female business owners. Um, we've been meeting online for three years now. We actually just took a trip to Tokyo, Japan, together, which was incredible. It was our first in-person time together ever. Um, that's a big support system for me. I also have different groups that I'm a part of online Facebook groups. Uh, we run a podcasting group, so that's a huge, uh, support system for me in the podcasting space. Um, John, my husband is a massive support to me. We support one another in business and in our personal lives as well, of course. And I've got amazing family and friends who I lean on all the time. I never hesitate to ask for support and I'm always the first person to give it. Nice. I love that. 
And uh, so speaking of support, how do you how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? I usually look at the end goal and work backwards. For some reason, my mind works better that way. Um, so if I'm at the beginning of a project and I'm not sure what step to take next, I'll go ahead and fast forward to where I want to be at the very end and I'll start walking backwards for whatever reason that works for me. Um, if I do get to a point where I just have no idea what the next step is, then I try and turn to somebody who has done something similar like that before or who I can learn from and ask for help. Nice. Last question. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time? Start focusing on things that actually matter. I mean, don't just do things to check them off a list or to be doing more things because doing more things is not productivity. Um, doing the right things is productivity. So really take a step back and ask yourself, like, why am I doing this thing? Do I have to do it or can I cut it? Um, and do I want to do it? Because that's a really important question too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Doing more things is not productivity. Doing the right things is productivity. It's just food for my soul at the do zone. <laughs> That's what we're all about here. So Kate, you run several podcasts. Uh, you you are the uh, the machine behind one of the most popular podcasts uh, in existence with Entrepreneurs on Fire. Uh, and then you also have some other independent projects. And so I'm curious to know, what is it like to produce 5,000 podcast episodes. <laughs> like I've, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm at around 500 at this point. The do zone is around 150. I did another one for about 250 and some other things, but that's a lot of content. And so how do you, first of all, how do you get that out? How do you get that much content out? It's definitely a lot of content. Um, commitment is huge. You got to commit to it. Um, and John and myself and our team have set up a lot of really incredible uh, systems in the business that help us produce the amount of content that we produce. Uh, one of those is batch recording. So John's not recording one episode per day and then releasing it to produce a daily podcast. He's has a recording day once per week where he's re recording seven episodes back to back to back and then scheduling those out. And we batch pretty much everything that we do here, whether it's email content, blog content, um, social media content, podcast content, everything is batched. And I'm a huge believer in batching like tasks to get more done in less time and to open up your schedule to be able to work on other things in your business. Because as we all know, a business is comprised of a lot of different moving pieces. And if you have a team to fill in some of those gaps, then you're very lucky. I know not everybody does. There's a lot of solopreneurs out there. So when you're juggling a lot of different things, batching is, I feel absolutely necessary to productivity. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And, and so actually my audience, uh, a lot of them either, have recently started a podcast or it's on their radar or some of them have been doing it for a while. And so I'm curious, uh, first of all, uh, just for those who maybe have lived under a rock for the last decade and are not familiar, uh, tell us about Entrepreneurs on Fire. 
Sure. So my husband launched Entrepreneurs on Fire in 2012. So we've been going for over 10 years now. Um, we're on episode close to 4,000 coming up here. And uh, every single day, John interviews an entrepreneur and tells their journey. That's how the podcast started out. Now he does more of a masterclass format where people are sharing a specific expertise um, on a niche that they uh, that they excel in. So the goal is really to help those who are tuning into the podcast grow their business and create whatever freedom they want in their lives, lifestyle, uh, financial uh, location independence. That's kind of what we focus on is not necessarily like just building a business to grow a business huge and hire a bunch of team members and make a ton of money, but to start a business that feeds the lifestyle that you want. Nice. And so what is that you mentioned that it used to be a, a, just a one-on-one -on -one interview format and now it's more of a masterclass. What was the, uh, what was the thought process behind that transition? Yeah. So right around episode 2000, um, John had asked every single guest up until that point, the exact same questions, every single interview, it was very focused on an entrepreneur who's just starting out, uh, our ideal listener, our avatar, who was looking for the inspiration to understand that it's okay to fail, that this is a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint, um, that there are a lot of roadblocks, how important support is. So all of those interviews were kind of focused on the entrepreneur who had become successful, sharing those missteps, those failures, and how they turned their idea into success. Around episode 2000, John was kind of getting the feeling that the audience had matured. Um, he had certainly matured as a host. And so he thought a transition into a more deeper dive episode, which is still one-on-one, -on -one, but he started kind of looking at it as more of a masterclass because it was diving into a very specific topic versus a general overview of someone's journey. So now the interviews are more focused on whatever the expertise of the guest is and sharing that with our audience. So one episode might be specifically on creating funnels in your business, or an episode might be about how to leverage LinkedIn to grow your network. Um, so it was kind of an evolution of John and of the audience. Makes sense. And so uh, you've uh, you've been kind of behind the scenes with that for a while, but you also have a couple of projects of your own. Uh, tell me about uh, Kate's Take and Nicole and Kate can relate. And does every podcast uh, title have to rhyme? <laughs> <laughs> there is a theme there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I launched Kate's Take back in 2014, and that was really... Um, I know you and I have chatted about this before, but that was a huge um, challenge for me because I was very uncomfortable putting my voice out there. That was still around the time that I was, you know, kind of living in the back of the room a little bit, but starting to kind of understand that I didn't want to live my life that way. The podcast was, yes, exactly. Uh, the podcast was really a challenge for me in that area to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, I can do this. And my side of the business was something that a lot of people asked us about, like, what, what are you doing? What does it mean to work behind the scenes? And how do you guys produce all these podcast episodes? And what does your team look like? And how are your systems put together? So I launched the podcast to really start answering those questions and to show people what it looks like 
behind the scenes of this business. Everybody sees the daily podcast episodes. People can go on our website and read our income reports and see how much money we make and how much money we spend. But people were really curious about like how that was all actually working and being implemented. So that's why I launched Kate's Take. I love doing the podcast. I'm still doing it today. I transitioned into a seasons format where now I'm focusing on a specific topic over a season of episodes. So right now I'm in season nine. It's all about podcasting. Um, and then Nicole and Kate can relate. Nicole is one of the uh, females that I said I was in a mastermind with who I've been in a mastermind with for three years now. Nicole and I have been good friends for a long time. We were neighbors in San Diego, but we met online because of podcasting. And we've grown a really special relationship. Uh, one day she came to the mastermind and she pitched myself and our third mastermind member on starting a podcast together because she was feeling like every time she showed up to our mastermind conversations, the fulfillment, uh, the joy, the lessons, just what our conversations opened up were was something that she wanted to share with other people. Um, our third mastermind member due to business commitments and everything wasn't able to come in with us on that. So Nicole and I decided to launch the podcast on our own. Um, we've been doing it for, gosh, we'll be coming up on two years kind of soon. Um, we produce that as a weekly podcast. So um, we've really enjoyed doing that. And it's been a great exercise in approaching a podcast from a different standpoint. I've never done a co-hosted podcast before, and I've never done just a conversational podcast before. So it's been a cool departure from what I'm used to. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many different formats. There's so much, uh, there's so much happening in the sausage factory and it's, it's kind of opaque to most people. It's creating a podcast is one of the easiest things that you can do, but it's also can be impossibly complicated if you let it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's sometimes if you if you know how to hit the record button on a Zoom call, you can start a podcast uh and you can just take all of that technical stuff and put it somewhere else. What you really need to do is build a relationship either if it's an interview style, you have to build a relationship with your guest and be actually interested in what they're saying. Uh mm -hmm. or if it's conversational, you just have to have something interesting to talk about and something interesting to say about the thing. Mm -hmm. Or it can be boring. I mean, that still works. You know, it's better if you're interesting, though. And, <laughs> and and so what advice would you give to somebody who either wants to start a podcast or has a podcast and it's just, you know, it's just kind of like slugging along and like, ah, man, nobody listens to this damn thing. And I don't even know if I should keep doing it. What What kind of advice would you give to somebody that's either like, I'm not sure if I should do this or I'm not sure if I should keep doing this? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the foundation and the building blocks for things because everything looks great once it's completed, but we all know that you don't go from an idea to completion. There's a lot of foundational things that go into building a business, creating a product, creating a service, and certainly creating a podcast. And those foundational steps are really the idea, knowing that there's an audience out there who cares about what you're talking about and that it's an idea you're passionate about that you'll talk about even if no one's listening. Then there's your avatar knowing who that ideal listener is and knowing that they exist out there and they're looking for a podcast on the topic that you have come up with. And then having a niche, not speaking out on a phone to as many people who will listen, but knowing the very select few who are interested in a niche topic. So not marketing, online marketing, 
but marketing on Instagram or marketing for franchisees, those are niches. And when you niche, it's going to be so much easier for people to find you and for you to speak directly to the people who need, want and need what it is that you have to share. So those are kind of always the three foundational things that I focus on for people starting a podcast or for people who have already started a podcast and don't feel like they're on the right trajectory is to really revisit those foundational things. Awesome. And and Kate, how can people get a hold of you if they want to connect and who's a good who's a good candidate to connect with you and how can they do it? I'm open to all connections. I love it when people reach out, especially after they've heard me on a podcast, because then I know that people are listening and that they found value in the conversation. Um, I know you've got a great group of listeners and I love what you're doing with the podcast. So I'd be happy to chat with anyone who this interview resonated with. My email is kate at eofire.com. Um, everything that we do is over at eofire.com. So if you want to just check out some of the blog content or check out the podcast, you can find everything over at eofire.com. Very good. Kate Erickson Dumas, thank you very much for coming on to the Do Zone and sharing a little bit about how you get stuff done and how you make things happen. And congratulations on uh, almost 4,000 podcasts for entrepreneurs on fire. What an accomplishment. Appreciate it, Josh. Thanks so much for having me on. You can connect with Kate by going to eofire.com or email her directly, kate at eofire.com. Once again, if you want to keep hearing great content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Do Zone podcast on Apple and or Spotify. If you're looking to break through to the next level with your business, but you just don't have the time or tools to do so on your own, we've got you back. Go to unbreakableteams.com now to learn more. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend, screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com. 